We are doing Daf Yud Gimel. We're starting six lines down from on Yud Gimel Amid Aleph, where the Gemara says Chavraya B'Shem Rabbi Yechanan, and we're going back on the Tanom that we were discussing yesterday. Uh, the Tanom we were discussing yesterday in the situation where someone's makdish in a keva for a carbon, a female animal for a carbon, which needs to be zachar. For example, in a keva ola, in a keva asham, or in a keva pesach. In those situations, we have three different opinions. The Tanakama holds that it's chav kudush if it has physical sanctity. Having physical sanctity makes two nafkaminas. Number one, you can't be redeemed without a blemish. Number two is that you can make tamura, it could be switched for another animal, the concept of tamura. Then we have the opinion of the more extreme Reb Shimon ben Yehuda, the name of Reb Shimon, that says, no, all of them only have kudushas damim. They only have Kedushas Damim since they're not kosher as, as females. So they only have Kedushas Damim. And then we have the Tana in the middle, Reb Shimon, who says it depends. Nekeva Ola has Kedushas Aguf because the Ola is somewhat associated with the Nekeva because an Ola could come from a bird. And if it comes from a bird, then it could even come from a female. Whereas, whereas, um, if it's an Akeva, which can never be good as an Akeva, so then the halacha is that it only has Kedushas Damim. So we want to look at a source for, for sources for this, and we're going to start out trying to provide a source for the most extreme Tana Reb Shimon, Ben Yudin, the name of Reb Shimon, that they only have Kedushas Damim. And just a little introduction, we're taking a look at Pesachim and Parshas Bechukosai. Parshas Bechukosai is a place where the Torah talks about redeeming Hakdish, and the Torah talks about two places redeeming a non-kosher animal. If someone who is Makdish, a non-kosher animal, to the base of Mikdash, it can be redeemed. So it's a strange thing that the Torah Talks about it twice. So the Gemara says, The reason for this Tana of Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that all of the Nekeva, uh, all the Nekeva that are Hokdash for Ola, Asham, and Pesach, only have Kedushas Dhamm, comes from the Apostle. If any Tami animal from which you can't bring a Karma to Hashem was, was consecrated, so then you redeem it. So, what does the Pasuk mean that the animal was Tameh? It can't mean literally a Tameh animal. You know, someone was Makdash a pig and you're redeeming it. Why not? It would be true that you could redeem it, but the problem with it is, is that the Torah already speaks about it. It's going to speak about it later. Later in the Parshat Bechukosa, it speaks about it in the case of a Tameh animal. So we're talking about the first time it says it in Kol Behemah Tameh. What does it mean? We don't want to have two Psukim saying the same thing where Behemah Tameh was consecrated that you redeem it. So we say that Tameh doesn't mean literally not kosher. It means impure or Tameh for this category. Disqualified for the reason that it was consecrated. Mamish like us, where someone was Makdish in a Keva for the Ola, it's Tameh. It's Tameh for what its purpose is. Its purpose is an Ola and it's Tameh for an Ola. And in that case, so 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 we're saying that it could be redeemed, and the Torah is mashma, and it could be redeemed right away, even without a moment. In other words, the Torah is saying that we does not get kedushas akuf, and it's saying right now it's like a beh- it, it is behemah tmea. It's not it's not a behemah tmea in the literal sense. It's not a pig. It's behemah tmea that is disqualified. It's tummy for its purpose. It's nekevalola. It's tummy. It's disqualified for the purpose it was hukdash, and therefore it can be redeemed the way it is. It doesn't have kedushas akuf. It only has kedushas tamim. It could be redeemed. Everything's good to go. So this this is a for the Tana, which remember Yehuda, that even the Kevala Ola uh, doesn't have Kedushas Agof because it's like, a, because the Torah is saying it's Kol Behim it's disqualified for the purpose that it was hooked to Asher, it could be redeemed the way it is. Says the Gemara Bakasha, that's very difficult because the Pasuk goes on to say that there's a process how you redeem the Madaksev, the Hamid of Erech. Regarding this, the Pasuk says you need Hamad of Aracha. Hamad of Aracha is that you don't just redeem the, the animal the way that it is, you first stand it up in front of the coin, the coin assesses the value, and only then do you redeem it. Now the Gemara in Tamura tells us that this process of Madav Aracha is only things that where I've cut him is bad. If you have a carbon, they got a mum, and now you're you're being poded, so there you meet Ahmad of Aracha. 
But when you're just redeeming ordinary bedek abayis things, there's no din of madavaracha. So according to the interpretation, we're saying that behemah tamei means nekevel ola only has kedushas damim. So there should be no din of madavaracha. Madavaracha is only on kachim isbeach. So our interpretation is flawed minayabe. On the one hand, we're saying it's behemah tamei as referring to nekevel ola. We're saying it only only has kedushas damim. It's not a carbon. So but on the other hand, it says on madavaracha. Madavaracha is a din only in carbonos. So that 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 clearly doesn't make any sense. So we have to try again. But when we try again, it's going to end up being a source for Reb Shimon instead of with the middle moderate Tanuels, Nekev Ola actually has Kedusha Saguf. So the initial thing that we tried was totally flawed and we're going to fall away. So the Gemara says from that reserve, So again, it's t- the word Tama here is extra because we already know later on when you could redeem non kosher animals. So what does it mean you're redeeming a non kosher animal? Which is a carbon, we're saying them together, so we expound as follows. Anything which is similar to a tummy animal. We're saying like this the, the animal that's tummy here in the Pasuk, we're not talking about actually a, a non kosher animal, that's for sure, but we mean anything that bears a similarity to a non kosher animal. What sense does it bear the similarity in terms of whether it's fit for a carbon here or somewhere else? So if it's, if it's like a tummy animal that is not fit for a carbon here or in any other place, there, there's redemption right away, even without. It, even without any blemish whatsoever, and then would have kedushas agof. That's a situation. That's a situation where he has kedushas agof. However, I'm sorry, I, I said it wrong. Kosha eno ruuya likar v'lokan v'alkamachar eno asetumar. Anything which is like a tummy animal, which is not fit here or in another place, there it does not have kedushas agof. It could be redeemed right away, even though it has no mom and it can't make and it cannot make tumura. So that is excluding, for example, a female animal for an Ola. There, actually, it does have Kedushas Agof, and it cannot be redeemed right away, because even though even though it can't be brought here, well, what's the din? fit in another place. What does it mean it's fit in another place? It's fit if it would be a bird. So the female animal might not be good as it is for an Ola, but it's fit in another place if it would be a bird. So what does it mean in the Pasuk of It means anything which is soul like a tamea, a psul like a mehema means its psul is a psul that never allows it to be brought, even not only in this context and in another context as well. So if it has a psul like a mehema tamea, then you could redeem it right away. If it has a psul that's that it has a psul, but it's not quite on the same level of tamea, then it can't be redeemed right away. So now we end up with a source for Reb Shimon. Now Reb Shimon reviewed Reb Shimon reviewed was saying that what. That 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 all the animals only kedushas damim, nekevel ola included. Now we're saying no 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 no, it's not true. Nekevel ola actually would have kedushas agov because the pasuk makol behematmeya means that that anything that has a psul that's like tame, there it could be redeemed right away. So that would be like nekevel asham or nekevel pesach because their psul it's never kosher in any context, right? Nekevel asham is never good in any context, even in the context of a bird. Mashenkin, if it would be kosher in another context, even though right now it's not kosher the way it is, but we say that it has kedushas agov. As conditions of love, then it cannot be redeemed the way it is. So now we end up looking at the Pasuk actually as a source for Reb Shimon. But the way we're ending up, we're talking about it, uh, when it says behemoth me on the Pasuk, what does it mean? It means someone is mocked or something with a soul, with a disqualification that is like behemoth me. So the Gemara now asks, but wait a second. What about the disqualifications of animals that an act of bestiality? Behemoths that went through an act of bestiality are apostle. And they're apostle in any form. The psalm never allows them to be brought. So what would we expect? Allah is that they should be able to be redeemed immediately and they shouldn't have Kedushas Agov. But what's the problem? We know that's not true. We know, in we know from Masechah's Temurah, and you kind of have to trust the Gemara on this. We know from learning Masechah's Temurah that Rovea and Irba do have Kedushas Agov and they make Temurah. 
So we have a kasha. According to our interpretation of behemah temeah, means anything which has a, disqualifi- a disqualification like behemah temeah, that it's never good in any context. So it should come out that an animal that has be, be, that animals that had acts of bestiality should not have kedushas aguf. But we know not that not to be true. We know that they do have kedushas aguf. So a kasha and rebzera. So you're right. I, you misunderstood what I'm saying. Actually, what does tummy mean? It means a non-kosher species. When it says in the Pasuk, it means a non-kosher species. Itaka means a non-kosher animal. And it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't mean an animal that is disqualified, that has a psul like a behemoth man. No. An animal that just has a psul, even if it's a very bad psul, but it doesn't make a difference. Lamai said it's only a psul, but the species itself, the type of animal that it is, is kosher. So let's say I had an animal that's Ravea Venerba. I had activitiality. It has a psul that's horrible, and that might be true. But it's still not like behemoth mea. Behemoth mea, the species itself is no good. So the Pasuk is saying that an animal where the species itself is no good, there it can be redeemed right away. But in any scenario where the species itself is shaykh, it's just this particular case is no good, there it would have kedushas agov. So according to the interpretation we're now going with, we're actually saying behemoth mea here in the Pasuk means a non-kosher species. And only things where the species itself is not kosher are we saying are we saying does not have kedushas aguf? In any scenario where 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 the species is kosher, um, then even if there's a disqualification that dis- that disqualifies in any case, we're still going to say that it does have kedushas aguf. Now, what would come out from this? That we would rovea veneer, but would have kedushas aguf. But also a nekeva would have kedushas aguf because the species itself is good. So, so let, even in a case where it's let's say nekeva la pesach la asham, the spe- even though the females are no good, but the overall species is good. So the species is good and would have kedushas aguf. Actually, the pasuk would support the tanakama at this point that nekeva for any any of these things ola asham and pesach would have kedushas aguf. So according to the interpretation that we're working with now, behemoth tamei means a non-kosher species. It says the gemara v'kasha, you can't say that. But the pasuk is going to say this is what the pasuk is saying about a non-kosher species that you redeem with hamadav arachel. We don't want to say that because why not? Because this is what the Gemara and Tamura speaks out. The Gemara here doesn't spell it all out, but the Gemara and Tamura speaks it out. Later on, we have the Pasuk about Behemoth Tamea that it's redeemed. That's how we got into this whole mess to begin with. That's why we didn't want to say that Behemoth Tamea means a non kosher species. So we want to fall away from that. We want to say that it means a disqualification. It means a disqualification that has a psul like Behemoth Tamea that's never kosher. So then, wait a second. So if it means a disqualification, then we're back to, we're back to step one. Uh, because if it means a disqualification, so what is Behemoth Tamea saying? So if any you have a psul that, that, that's never kosher, if you have a psul that's never kosher, then it, uh, in other words, it, it's a psul that never allows the carbon to be brought, then it could be redeemed immediately. It doesn't have Kedushas Agof. The problem is, Ravea Venirba, then they should come out, they don't have Kedushas Agof, but we know that to be the contrary. So we're totally stuck. And the reality is that the Gemara and Timur actually says, and this is what the Gemara comes out, that the behemoth Tamea in the Pasuk is actually talking about a Baumum. And Tamea means that it got a Mum. And a Mum is never kosher as a carbon. And there you could redeem it. But the, and this is actually the very source that we know that when a carbon gets a Mum, you could redeem it. Because we say that's what the Pasuk is saying. If the animal became impure and it has a psul, it's Tamea in the sense that it's never kosher. It's never kosher to be brought. Not that the species is no good, but it's never acceptable. Then you could redeem it. But the problem is that we're not going to be able to answer our question anymore from Rebbe of Anirba. What's the difference between Baumum and Ravea Venerba? Baumum, we're saying, could be redeemed. And if you're Maktash Baumum, we won't have Kedushas Aguf. 
Um, and it's that's behemoth mea. So so what? And it's like behemoth mea because it's never it's never can ever be brought. Even though the species is good, but the as a psula can never be brought. So what are we going to say? What's with Rovea Venerba? So we end up with nothing. We don't. The Gemara leaves us hanging without an answer. It should end up that Rovea Venerba have a psula. It's never good. They shouldn't have kedushas of But we know that they could to make nimura. So we we just we can't accept it. We don't accept the drasha. We don't know what to do. And it seems like basically we're just going to say that the whole drasha of Zera falls away. Tamea doesn't mean a psul. That's never good. It rather means specific to mum and only mum oli. And we have to kind of figure out why it is that Rovea Venerba are different. And the Gemara does not give us a conclusion. So very hard stuff to walk away with. But the bottom line is, is that Nekeva la'ola la'bashem la'pasach is machlokes. Three women machlokes if it has Kedushas HaGof. Tanakama holds all of them have Kedushas HaGof. Rabbi Shimon Rebidah holds none of them have Kedushas HaGof. And Rabbi Shimon says Nekeva la'ola does. Nekeva la'ashem la'pasach do not. We tried looking for sources from this Pasuk for them. It didn't really work out. We have a concept as well. That uh, if someone is uh, 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 someone is makdish about mum, it does not get it does not get kedushas aguf. But if somebody is makdish or veiv and nirba, it seems that it does have kedushas aguf, and we are left to struggle a little bit with some of these facts. That's the bottom line, the end of the sugya. Continues the Mishnah. Once every thirty days, they would set the prices. They want to set the prices, so the base of Mikdash would go to the vendors. We need to get wine, oil, flour, all these things. So they would set a price, lock in a price for the thirty-day period, and now they would have to supply it to the base of Mikdash. And now the Mishnah tells us the terms. If someone was selling it and he accepted it upon himself, he commits and he's going to supply flour at the rate of four saw per one sala. But then what happened? The price of flour rose. So now you could, in the market, you only get three, three saw per cella. He still has to supply the base of Mikdash at three saw per cella. But, and we also say in the inverse of Amdu Arba, if the price of flour fell, then now, I'm sorry, Mishalosh, if Mishalosh, let's say he agreed to supply the flour at only three saw, but then Amdu Arba, and now it goes up. And now you can get four saw per one saw. You should supply the flour at a new lower price of four saw. So whatever happens, hektish gets the better end of the deal. Shiad hektish al yona. The treasury always has the upper hand. So if the price goes down, uh, they get more stuff. The price goes up, they still get based upon the original stuff. Now, furthermore, let's say they, he provides the flour to the base of Mikdash, but before they got a chance to actually bring it, what happened was, uh, whatever, what happened was is that it uh, became wormy. So now, now we're not able to actually use it. So what do we say? It, 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 it's become wormy for the seller, meaning the loss is his. He has to give new flour to the base of Mikdash. And if the wine soured before it was brought, the loss is his. He has to supply them with new wine. So the chiddush is that the seller doesn't get is not entitled to the money from the seller until the mizbech actually uses it. Tremendous chiddush. They might supply him with the money as soon as he gives it to them. So normally you would say, okay, the deal is over, the deal is final. If so, if something goes bad, it goes back to the base of mikdash. But we say no, that's not the case. Until the base of mikdash actually uses it, the vendor is responsible. And if something happens, he has to give them new things, a new chiddush dashka for the way the base of mikdash does business. However, not everybody agrees to this. There was a bride who the name of Hashem. Sellers would get the money, they would acquire the money, they would become owners of the money right away. According to reason, and the coin were just careful to make sure that wouldn't become wormy and that the wine wouldn't sour. So we have a machlok as when the transfer of the ownership on the coins happen. Does it happen as soon as the vendors supply it? Or oh no, that's the that's Reb Shimon and the Tanakama says that this new halacha that he becomes the owner only when the base of Mikdash would actually use it. Continues the base of the Mishnah. These are the following people who are who, who were in charge of things in the base of Mikdash. We named fifteen people. He was over all the 
Chosmos. And we're going to learn about him. There were different tokens that they would use. There were different things that people needed to purchase when they came to the base of Megdash. I want a different Chayuvim. So you would go kind of get a ticket and you would, you would pay the money, get a ticket, and then you would go uh, to, the, to, the, to, to a place to redeem your ticket. So let's say you needed, for example, birds. So you would need to bring a carbon of birds. You would go pay, get your ticket, and then they give you a, a Chosam from this person, Yochan ben Pinchas, and then you would go present your ticket to the bird people and they would, uh, they would bring a carbon for you. So the person named Achia, he was, he was appointed over all the Nechassim, the, the Nesachim, or all the stuff, the, the libations and the Minchas that go together. Masav and Shmuel, he did all the Paisas, all the lots. There were a lot of Kohanim who wanted to do that Voda. So they used to have lotteries. It was his job to preside over that. Psachia, the person, he was in charge of the pairs of birds. Whenever you were to bring pairs of birds, different people have to do that. Zav, Zava, Yoledes. So there would be... Um, they didn't actually bring birds to the base of Mikdash, but people would just put uh, money into a box called Kinim, and then Psachia would make sure that all the money had been used to buy the birds and all the birds uh, had been offered. Okay, see, so that was his, his job. Psachia was Mordechai, really, his name was Mordechai. He would open things and explain them. He was very good at understanding languages. Not only that, he knew all the 70 languages, and we'll see a little bit more about him in the Gemara. He was like the doctor. He would treat the Kohanim who had problems with their stomachs. Nechunya was the person who used to dig the ditches and fill them up with water for all they were, all they were going. He was in charge of making sure there was always water supply. Givini Cruz. Givini was the person, he was the vecker. He would wake everybody up. He would make a cry and everybody would wake up. It was time to do the Avoda. Ben Gever on Elis Hashem Ben Gever, he was in charge of the locking of the gates. He was in charge of where all the wicks that were used. Nazar was in charge of the symbols. That was the symbols. That was the cue for the Levim to start seeing, singing. Hugas ben Levi, Alashir Hugas ben Levi was actually, he was the, the choir guy, right? He was the conductor for the choir. Ben Gormal Mezalachim upon him. The house of Gormu, they were, they produced the Lachim upon him. They were in charge of making the Katars. Allah was in charge of all the curtains. He was in charge of that. There were a lot of curtains, uh, curtains who were made. So he was in charge of those. Pinchas Amalbash. Pinchas was the person who would dress the Kohanim. They, had, they were dressed, and he was the dresser. Okay. Says now the 15 people, I mean, the base of Mikdash stood for a long time. So the 15 people didn't live for the whole 420 years the base of Mikdash stood. So we have a dispute of understanding when these 15 people were there. Rev Kitsky, Amar Reb Simon Rabbanon, that Chad Amar once said, Sherry Darba Darba Alimna. So the Mishra is only telling you about the, the most kosher people, the highest Sadiqim at each job. In other words, they, they didn't live all at the same time. But we're saying over the whole second base of Mikdash, these were the most pious people from all the time together. Whoever the town of the Mishnah was, whoever was in his generation, he was said. So meaning, according to the first interpretation, the 15 people were all very righteous. According to the second interpretation, we don't necessarily know that they were very righteous. It's just whoever happened to be in his, in his generation, that's who the Tana counted. Now, this makes a big difference for based of, to understand uh, Mishnayas and Yuma. The Gemara doesn't even tell us about this, but basically there are two Mishnayas uh, at the end of the third paragraph, Yuma, two groups of people. The first group of people is, is Lishvach, and the second group of people is, is, is Laklala. The first group of people, we, we, we start praising a bunch of people, Ben Gama, Ben Katin, Munbaz, Hilni, Nikonur, for all helping out the base of Mikdash. And the second bit, Mishnah, we, we curse a bunch of people, Beis Gama, Beis Aftinaz, Ungris, and Kamitzar, because basically they, they had unique talents which they didn't teach to other people. So the simple shot is that anyone in the second list is cursed, which makes, when, for not teaching what they had to other people. So for example, the Gemara says, though, the Base Garmon, Base Aftinos, who made Lechem upon him and Kataris. They could, they should have taught other people how to do it. They shouldn't have, you know, been so elitist and only have it for themselves. So the Mishnah there, Pashup Shad, and the Mishnah Yuma is that it curses them.
problem is, is that these are those people are listed in the Mishnah here. The, the, the Beit Garmu for making Lachmapan, the Beit Saptinus for making the Ketoris. If we're saying that from the Mishnah there that they are cursed, and we go with the first interpretation here of our Gemara that all the people here were the best, the best most pious people of the Beit Mikdash, how is it going to work? So the Gemara says, what we have to say is, it's according to the one who said that the Mishnah is telling us the most, the highest Sadiqim of the generation, of, of, of all of it. We have to say that there are people in the second group in the Mishnah and Yuma who are also being praised. And we're not necessarily cursing all of them. We're only cursing the people at the end. But according to the one who said that the Tana was simply listing the people who were in his generation. So the people in our mission, we don't necessarily know we're righteous. And anyone, anyone who was... Uh Who's listed in the second mission there in Yuma, including the, the Garmon based of Tina's family, we are saying that they are cursed. Only the people mentioned in the first mission. So, bottom line is, what it is that we want to know are, are the people who made the Ketoras, are they, the people who made Lacham Apanam, are they cursed or are they blessed? It, it, it really depends. It depends on what, what they're doing here in our Mishnah. If they just happen to be in the gener- generation of the Tana, they might be cursed, and they're cursed again because they were elitist and they didn't teach it to other people what to do. Or we have to, if, they, if the Tana was saying all the, the holies to the people throughout the second base of Mikdash, then they're obviously blessed, and we have to say they're not in the, meant, meant to be in the cursed list in the Mesechas Yuma. Okay, so now that we go on a little tangent, because we were praising people. So the Gemara says, Amar of Yochuk it says in the Pasuk here, I was like in Yeshaya, I'm going to assign him a portion. He'll divide the spoils with all the mighty people. So who is this? Every Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva is very good with teaching of Torah. He was Misak and he established Mishnah. So it seems that there's a lot going on. Even before Rabbi Yudah Hanasi actually wrote the Mishnah, he redacted all the Mishnah together. It seems that they were Tanam before him who were assembling groups in, in order to, to teach it. Uh, but to, to, to teach the Mishnah in a clear way and to put it together and Mesechtos and, and Starim, these were things which already came from Rabbi Kibbe. No, even before. It's from the beginning of the second base of Mishnah that we have the concept of teaching clearly. What did Rabbi Akiva establish? The way of Darshan and Klal Prat, which was the way of expounding things, which is based upon the Sifran Sifri. So these are the things that we get from Rabbi Akiva. So now we continue with more praises. It says in the Pasuk that the families of the scribes, the Sofrim, they dwell by Yavitz. So who are these Sofrim that we we're talking about? What does it mean that the teachers are called Sofrim? Sofrim usually mean people who count, like Sphere to Omer. So what does it mean that Tamil Chamer are Sofrim? They organize the Torah. They made it into something that's countable. And whenever the Mishnah does things, it does it in a way that you can remember it. And this is always the mnemonic. These people were trying to make it easier for us to understand. So they taught things in the Mishnah is based upon order and numbers. For example, there are five people who don't take Truma. There are five species that are Chaim Mechala. Chamesh, Yosinosh, and Pachiris are the same. Fifteen women exempt the Kohais from Bibim. Shalosh, 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 Thirty-six creases in the Torah. Shalosh, 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 Thirteen rules regarding the, the, the dead carcass of an unslaughtered kosher bird. Abra, Elvis, Nazikin. Four categories of Nazikin. Abra, Mechom, Zachar, Achas. Thirty-nine. Forty minus one categories of Malachah that are Asar and Shabbos. So we see that they group them and categorize them together with numbers. So from, and they did it so that it will be easier to learn. Gives the Gemara continues on Marvach like Siv Ezra Kohen a Sofer Ezra the Kohen who is the Sofer Mazam Alamur Sofer what does it mean he's a Sofer we already said he wrote Torahs what does it mean again that Ezra is a Sofer Kashim Shai Sofer Sefer Torah the same way he counted the words of the written Torah he was a Sofer when he would write it when he would write it was so important he was counting the words to tell us exactly how many words there are in the Torah Kachai Sofer Devi Chacham and he also counted the words of the sages. 
he cherished what they said, and he would take a tally of all the things in the oral Torah as well. Now, it's so interesting, the Gemara points out, ironically, they did so much for us to prepare us for the Torah. They plowed and they planted, they weeded, they trimmed, they hoed, they cut, they gathered all the grain, they threshed, they winnowed, they, they, they put away all the bad stuff, all the bad pebbles, they ground, they sifted, they needed them, they baked bread for us, but we don't have what to eat. Meaning, even after all their efforts, we still have a very hard time understanding the Torah. They, they went through all these efforts to make it easy and accessible for us to learn, but the bottom line is, it's still too hard for us. Continues the Gemara of Abba Barizmina Mashim Reb Zeira. Imavakadman Malach, and if the earlier scholars were like angels, are not Ben Anush, and we are just like men. If they were just like men, and then we're just like donkeys. So, meaning, there's Eurydice Adorah going on here. We have a much harder time understanding and remembering the Torah than from the previous generations. At that time, they said, When we said we're like donkeys, we're not even comparing ourselves to the donkey of a Pinchas Ben Yar. We're like real Pashara donkeys, not like the righteous donkeys. Pinchas ben Yar had a very righteous donkey. What's the story with her? Pinchas ben Yar's donkey being righteous? Pinchas ben Yar. It once happened, it was stolen by robbers at night. The donkey passed three days in hiding, but it wouldn't eat anything because these robbers were not good people and they didn't take off Trumas and Maisos and they always refused to eat food that wasn't uh, tied. So after three days, they said, let's just return it to Rapinachas Ben Yard because Amr, they said, let's get her out of here before she dies. Certainly she's going to die and the smell will be bad. We don't want her around. So Afkuna, they said her free. She went back and she stood by the gate of her master. She started to make her noises. She said to let her in. Rapinachas Ben Yard said, open up the gate to this poor this poor donkey. It must have been three days before she had eaten and she has not eaten anything. They opened the gate for her and brought her in. said, Give her something to eat. They brought her barley, but she still didn't eat. What's going on? She's still not eating. He said, did you, did, you, did you fix it? Meaning, did you take off my sir? So we did. Did you, talk, did you separate even demai? Demai is when you buy it from an Amaret. You have to take off again just in case the Amaret didn't. And so they said, why should we? I mean, they say, okay, often Rebbe, why would we do that? Didn't we learn in a Mishnah, if someone's buying grains from an Amar, it's to feed his animals, flour that he's just going to use for tanning, oil just to burn, meaning, we were only masaking that you have to do it when you personally are eating it. But if you personally are not going to be eating it, you don't have to do it. So if we're only separating the ties for the donkey, so we technically don't have to do it. So what is the issue? Why, why is that a good reason? For us to separate. What are we going to do for this poor donkey? She's very stringent with herself. So what happened was they went ahead and they took off the demai and finally this poor uh, donkey she ended up eating. Okay, it says now then we go back to some of these things. was in charge of the bears, uh, the birds, and he was very good with language. The Mishnah said. So the Gemara says, Bore, come and see. Let's see how great this person Psachah was. Who He would open things up and explain them. It was amazing how he was. And now we'll get to some of these stories. The other Mishnah used seventy stories. Tana says in a bright says an edrin that had two judges who could speak all seventy languages. as long as all the other judges, even though they can't speak seventy languages, the other seventy languages. But they could understand it. I read That's a capable being Sanhedrin. It's the minimum. As long as you have two people who could speak it and the rest can understand it, that's a minimum. Shlosha, if it has at least three who could speak it, that's, that's a, a, a mediocre. That's in the middle. Arba, if it has four who could speak it, that's already considered wise. And Yavna, there were four 
members who were able to speak all 70 languages, Ben Azeh, Ben Zoma, Ben Chavav, Ben Masos. That was a higher level of Sanhedrin. Now we're going to talk finally about Psacha being so smart and how he was able to decipher some codes. Amar Once happened, there was a drought in Israel. There was no Omer. If you really want to know the story for this, what happened was, is that, uh, is that there was a fight between the Chashmonam. And because there was a fight in the Chashmonam, uh, they, they actually, one, one group destroyed all the grain. So they didn't know where they could bring the army, the, the Omer. There was one deaf mute. He put one of his hands on a roof, on a gag. He put one hand on a trif, on a hut. So they didn't know what he was trying to say. They brought in front of Psachet to understand the code. Amalu Psachet said, Ah, is is there a place called Gagos Trifon or Trifos Gagos? Also in the Samon. And there, in fact, was. So they went there, and they found the barley. So he was able to decipher the code that the deaf mute was trying to teach them. Says the Gemara, story, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Nun. Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbi Nun, says, The whole world, literally, We'll see if it was actually was so literal. It was destroyed by some sort of wind blast. It wasn't good. It wasn't green. They didn't know where to bring the carbon omer. He put one hand in his eye. On one hand, on a door socket, on a socha. They didn't understand what he was trying to tell them. So they brought in front of Pesachah to decipher the code. Amalon Pesachah said, Is there a place called Ein Socher, Socher Ayin? So they went there, and they were able to find a little bit of barley. Another story. There once three women who brought pairs of birds. They brought birds. Achazmaris and one said, I'm bringing the bird, pair of birds for my Eina. Achazmaris liyamasi for my Yama. Achazmaris liyamasi, one said for my Ziva. So they thought, Everyone there thought that when the woman who said for my Eina, she meant for her blood, which had been flowing like a spring, meaning that she was a Zava, and she needed to bring, it been flowing so much, for my Eina, so she was a Zava, she's a Zava, then one bird is a Chathas, one is an Ola. And when the woman who said for a Yama, meant that she had been like a Yam, again, that, that, her, that the blood had been flowing like a Yam, like a sea. So again, it's, it's, it, it requires one Chathas, one Ola. And Pesach said, Amalan, and um, uh, so, 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 so he said, no, that's totally, that's totally not the pshat. Amalon b'yamasakis, pshachas said, no, she's trying to say, I had a situation where I was in danger in the sea. She's bringing a donated ola. She's not bringing a chiyuv because she was a zava. She's bringing a donated ola because she was happy that she was saved. And so therefore, both, both of the birds should be brought as ola. She was saying, I was, I was in danger at the sea and I was saved. And when, 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 when the... Again, when the woman who said for my ziva, her, the, the, everyone else in the base of Mikdash thought that she was actually a zava. Amrulun, Zain ba, Litos, Bana. No. She's saying, Zain ba, a wolf came to snatch my son, so I want to donate a carbon ola to Akadosh Baruch Hu. Again, not one achatas and one an ola, but rather both birds should be an ola because this woman actually. Uh, this woman actually is, was saved, uh, her, her son was saved, rather, from a type of wolf. Okay, now we go back to Ben Achia. He was in charge of treating the Kohanim. So what did the Kohanim have to be treated for? The Kohanim used to walk barefoot on the stone floor of the base of Mikdash. And they would eat a lot of meat. And drink a lot of water. Therefore, they were getting afflicted with all sorts of stomach issues. He knew a certain type of wine which was good for the stomach. He knew which type of wine would weaken the bowels and help, uh, help, them and help it all come out. And that's what he was in charge of helping the Kohanim with the sicknesses that they would ha- happen to them for being in the base of Mekdash.